Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the post-Minnesota Vikings-Seattle Seahawks version of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with Judd Zolgad on the phone. Um, Judd, where do we even begin? You did Ventline after the game and you took 36 phone calls in the course of an hour and a half of apoplectic Minnesota Vikings fans. Tell me where the fan base started the conversation with you tonight on Ventline, and then we can go from there. Sure. Uh, they, the conversation with the fan base started uh, basically with what I got on the air with uh, Manny Hill and talked about off the top, and it's very, very simple. Um, it might not all be his fault, but the Vikings have three games left. I think they're going to be a playoff team, but they certainly should be a playoff team. And as a result, something has to be done. The status quo with this offense is not going to work. So the starting point of the conversation is John Filippo has to be fired either tonight or tomorrow. Kevin Stefanski, the quarterback's coach, who, by the way, was, I believe, a very close second in the running to replace Pat Shermer as Vikings offensive coordinator after last year when Pat took the Giants head coaching job. Kevin Stefanski should be put into the O.C.'s job uh, because this offense is simply right now, and the Blame goes around. It goes to the head coach. It goes to the quarterback. It goes to, uh, to flip as well. It goes to a lot of people. Uh, but this offense is simply right now not functional, and you have to do something because punting on this season and saying, well, that's just too bad to me is not an option when you have a quarterback in year one of a three-year, $84 million guaranteed deal. So to your point of all the things that are wrong, and I think we can agree that when we have our pie chart of blame, you could spread it out pretty equally to the front office that uh, did not fulfill their duty on the offensive line in any way, shape, or form. And again, poor Mike Remmers is just getting run over at guard, and the man should have been a right tackle. We know that. We've been over this a bunch of times. They should have drafted a guard. They should have done more in free agency to... Uh, support themselves and not have to play the whole season with Tom Compton at left guard and on and on. So that clearly is a problem, and it's gotten worse as the weeks have gone along. 
Uh, it's been a significant issue that teams have figured out Kirk Cousins, and they've also figured out, and he alluded to this after the game, that they have figured out they, in big spots, third down and more than eight, let's say, they can just double-team Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and say, beat us with Aldrick Robinson, I dare you. Beat us with Laquan Treadwell, I dare you. Or even Kyle Rudolph, who he seems to refuse to want to ever throw to. But then again, if they're uh, you know one-on-one with Rudolph, he's not always wide open because he's not the quickest guy there. So they're daring him to go to these other options that the Vikings don't really have, and they don't seem to want to line up Delvin Cook as a wide receiver as much as they should, only 15 times out of 300 snaps going into this game for Delvin Cook. So if you can't change your personnel... The only thing you can change is your offensive coordinator. And the same thing goes for Kirk Cousins, that you can't change Kirk Cousins at this point. You can't get a refund. You can't go back to the store and say, oh, we didn't know he was this bad every time it came to a game against winning teams, but this has been his career. So now you have to make some sort of change to get the most out of Cousins you could possibly get. And if that doesn't work, I mean, then you're looking at a situation of feeling stuck for the next three years if they can't make any sort of change and improvement with Cousins here. And, and that's, that is a pretty tough feeling for the fans, and, Judd. And, Colin, let me, let me give you, and this is on Zim, uh, but he, his job, as far as I'm concerned right now, is completely safe. But let me give you what I have seen, um, and it was, it was sort of solved in the Packers game but the last two games, and by the way, too, the Patriots and Seahawks gave the Vikings every chance to win. Like, if they had gone in and got their butts kicked in Foxborough and in Seattle, I, I would say, okay, you know what, they're just not that good. But they were given chances by their opponent in both games, and heck, to go back to Chicago, too, Yep, they were given opportunities to win those games, and they were unable to do so. But the problem that, that I've seen, and the reason why... I would make a change at, at OC tonight if I'm Zimmer is this. And as I said, this comes back on him too, but it's too bad at this point. Your coordinator and your quarterback are calling plays and playing scared. You can see it. Everything is a challenge. Everything is being thought through as if, okay, if I screw this up, I'm in trouble. And nobody is playing or calling plays relaxed. And that's a problem. And if this was a middling, not very good team and we didn't care and they were a non-playoff team, I would say let it ride and make changes in January. But this is not. This is not that team. This is a team with expectations. And there is no reason in my mind that you can't at least go back and capture some of the magic that we saw week two in Green Bay, right? Comeback was tremendous. The Rams game. And, but I really believe that Deep Filippo is calling plays scared, and Cousins is running plays scared, and that is an impossible equa- uh, equation to have success with. Now, what's really interesting about that is you talk about the circumstance that they're in. In week two, a young kicker missed a couple of field goals, a young kicker who has gone on to have some really good success with the Oakland Raiders, but he missed three field goals, and he cost them a game, and they tied because Daniel Carlson couldn't kick it through the goalpost. And because this year has so much pressure on the Minnesota Vikings, instead of keeping the kicker that they spent a fifth-round draft pick on just to see if it would work out, instead of doing that, they said, we cannot have this happen again. We have to move on from you. 
Now, my question would be, why would that not hold to the same standard with the offensive coordinator, where when you go essentially, and I am not counting that last touchdown, Judd. This was a shutout by the Seahawks. When you go two straight games and put up 10 points, when you have six straight quarters where you cannot score at all, the Seattle Seahawks do not have a great defense, Judd. They played like they had Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas out there, but they didn't. I mean, this is a team that was the 90- ESPN broadcast team agree- disagrees with you completely. Well, of course, Witten, Witten and Tessitore told me that that was the Legion of Boom in their back, and there's no questions yeah. about it. Of course, of course, they did. But in reality, they're 19th in quarterback rating allowed, and they're dead last in yards per carry allowed, and they shut you out. I mean, this is getting to the point. And how about the Miami Dolphins? Ryan Tannehill is throwing touchdowns against the New England Patriots. The Tennessee Titans were putting up points against the New England Patriots, and the Minnesota Vikings couldn't do a thing in really either half of that game, but especially the second half where they get shut out. I mean, at this point, you've basically gotten the offensive coordinator and quarterback play equivalent of three missed field goals from Daniel Carlson, and you can't change the quarterback. And this is the thing, Judd. I just want to point this out. Without sounding like a child and saying, I told you so. But like this was the reality of Kirk Cousins. This was the hesitation that we had on Kirk Cousins was the ups and downs are so volatile over his career and all the problems that were there. The fact that you could scheme against him to stop some of his weaknesses. If he didn't have a great offensive line, he wasn't going to succeed. He needs a great offensive coordinator to get the most out of him. If these things go wrong, what you get is what we saw in Seattle. This is who Kirk Cousins is. It's who he's always been. And I guess you look around and say, what if, what if, what if? I mean, what if they had picked maybe an offensive coordinator with more experience than John Filippo right. instead of just hiring the guy because he beat you in the NFC Championship, even though it was Frank Reich and Doug Peterson and, who were beating and him. Here, but, but, here, but here's why, here's why it pains it's going to pain Zim to admit to this. Everybody knows that Daniel Carlson was Spielman's choice, right? That was Spielman's move. Yep. So he missed three field goals in week two in Green Bay, and the Vikings did nothing to help him whatsoever. But he missed those three field goals, and we all said, and Zim joined us in saying, I can't have this. This is not my guy. He's costing me games. Mike Zimmer knows when he looks in the mirror that John D. Filippo was Mike Zimmer's hire. Right. And Correct. that's why it's tougher. And but but here here's the okay, there's a reoccurring theme here that's very simple to read. And I am again, just to be very, very clear here, in, in this conversation, I am not calling for a head coaching change. But you know what's become crystal clear, Collar? When things go wrong at all, Zimmer gets uptight. And when Zimmer gets uptight, what does he do? He makes everybody else uptight. And what does that do to people in their jobs? It makes them worse. So, so if you were going to sign Cousins, what you had to do, and I'm not even defending him, but what you had to do was get him as good of offensive line as you possibly could across the board, and you had to get him a coordinator who you knew would be good. And they did neither. They did, they did they, as you just said, Filippo was hired because Mike was desperate to call him in and say, what did you guys do? in the NFC title game, which was more about defense than offense. But Mike Zimmer, and this happened in 2016. It's happened again now. It happened before that. Mike, when things go wrong for his team and, and his offense or units, 
he gets uptight. And when he gets uptight, everybody else gets uptight, and your employees do a worse job when they get uptight. And, and I do want to say this about the way the offensive coordinator has performed, that earlier in the season we felt like they were doing a really nice job with some things. But then upon reflection, Jed, I mean, the Los Angeles Rams do not have a great defense. They have a great offense, but their defense is just okay, and it has Aaron Donald. But it's just okay otherwise. Marcus Peters has not worked out there very well. Aqib Tlaib got hurt, and Dominican Sue's been just okay. It's an okay defense that they lit up that night. San Francisco is a terrible football team, and they didn't really even play that well. The Green Bay Packers, terrible football team, and they didn't even play that well. Uh, in that game for three quarters of it until Kirk Cousins had the big comeback at the end. But we were looking at some of the numbers and saying, okay, wow, this is what they're supposed to do on offense so they can do this. But as they've gone along, I think Filippo has been more and more exposed. The more that they've put on tape, the more that Cousins has put on tape, the fact that you can just double team two wide receivers. And so here, here's the way I look at this, Judd. On third and short, it's all about the offensive coordinator. Because most of the plays can be executed like play actions and handoffs and stuff by the players. And on third and long, it's the quarterback. You have one of the worst third and long quarterbacks in the NFL in Kirk Cousins. And you have one of the worst third down and short offenses, which I put on John Filippo. And what you have here is like a perfect cocktail because Keenum was no good at third and long either. He couldn't make those throws, but they had the best third and short guy with Shermer. So that's where that whole need to run the ball, third and short sort of thing. But that's not even an advantage for this team. And that's where I think when you talk about making a change, it's hard to disagree, even though I think that John Filippo really does know football and probably needs more experience at doing this in order to be good, maybe with a, a rebuilding team or something. But putting, him, right. putting the pressure on him to do this, he has clearly underperformed, especially when it comes to those key third and short type of situations. Red zone, again, here we are with a red zone failure by the Vikings. The red zone has just completely dropped off the map. I mean, these are things that I think you could see a change. And someone brought this up, Judd, that you know the Gophers made a change at coordinator. And then they got better immediately. And I go back to yes. the, the 2012 Ravens, who on December 10th, today that we record this, 2012 made a change at offensive coordinator and won the Super Bowl. So I, I, as much as I don't think his career should be over by any means, Steve Filippo, it's not working with this current situation. But, but that's entirely fair. I mean, sometimes there are, there are situations with teams where you just need, need a change and things don't work. And this is a mess right now. This is a complete mess. Okay, explain this to me from tonight, uh, speaking of third and short, third and ones. How in on God's green earth are you? I believe third and one, and you're working from shotgun, and you're and you try and throw a pass. The whole thing made no sense. I mean, there were there were play calls tonight that left me completely baffled. And you've mentioned this many times that it's hard to call plays, and it's a classic football thing to do to sit around and go, should have called this play, should have called this play when it doesn't work. But when you sure. judge when you judge just the logic of taking. Delvin Cook off the field on fourth and one to stuff Murray up the middle against the big guys, big guys versus big guys. It's literally statistically the least efficient play. They got the QB sneak right a few times, but in the biggest spot, they go with the least efficient play you have. And your point about the shotgun, I mean, it gives you no yeah. opportunity to run play action there, which is usually the most successful. And what's weird to me, Judd, they've gone away from things that worked. Kyle Rudolph on third and one is money all day long if you're going to pass. 
and they just don't do it anymore. They did it in the first couple of weeks and went away from it. They did not throw Delvin Cook screens today. If they threw one screen where it got blown up, and that's all the only one I can remember. So these things that worked for them last year, and even things that were working early in the year, they've completely gone away from. And you might put some of that on the head coach for trying to make changes or putting too much pressure on people, but. Uh, at the end of the day, we have a situation that just is not working anymore. I, I do want to switch because I think we're all on the same page with Filippo. It's not working right now, and we'll see if right. they decide to make a change or not. But with Cousins, there has to be growing frustration and maybe even a growing feeling that this money they spent on him was not worth it when you talk about a quarterback who cannot beat a winning team. Yes. That's that's true, but the question now is, and it this goes back to our previous conversation to a certain degree, I guess, is how do you salvage as much as possible? Because there have to be ways, and and we have, and Washington people saw this too, and and we certainly saw it week two, we saw it in the game in uh, Philadelphia that there have been times when we see the arm talent and the arm strength and the ability to make plays. I think the number one thing that you have to do is you have to, if, if you make the coordinator change that we're suggesting that they should make, you also have to sit down with Kirk and get Kirk to relax and play the game. Kirk looks miserable right now. And, 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 and listen, but this all goes back to, I don't think he's a disaster. But what I do think, and we've talked about this a million times, we talked about it when they signed him, he's not a top 10 quarterback. You paid a lot of money to, to not have to bring Case back, right? And that move, by the way, statistically has proven to be right because he has, has gone back to being Case in 2018. But I think the number one thing you have to do if you give Stefanski the job is say, Kevin, he's your baby now. And, and because Kirk Cousins looks like every play is like he's at the dentist. He just looks miserable, and he looks like he's gnashing through plays, and, and the throws – that he made in Green Bay and Philadelphia for the most part now are long gone. Uh, so I do, I think it's incumbent upon the Vikings, if they're going to make this work, to say, what do we have? What can he do? And how can we put him in a position to do that that well? Because I just think he, he keeps getting treated like he's a top five QB. And listen, that's Zim. Zim is, I, I told you this. Zim, in my opinion, hates kickers and quarterbacks. He can't stand them. Necessary evils in life, right? But you need them, and you need them to be effective. And those are the type of positions where they're most effective when the player is playing relaxed and actually having fun. And Kirk Cousins in that offense right now looks like they are having zero fun, and I think that's a bad starting point. So I think where I might begin is where... Nick Foles started last year and almost treat this as a new quarterback coming in. And you have to say to him, whether it's Filippo or Stefanski, if he takes over, if that's a possibility or not, you have to say, how do you want to play football, Kirk Cousins? You tell us because it's not working. And you know what I think, Judd? Somebody brought this up on my Twitter, and it's a clever sort of comment, is you have to treat him almost like the Jaguars treated Blake Bortles last year where he'd win a game and throw 14 passes or something. And he would just hand off and hand off and hand off and maybe hit a big play, but mostly just grind. And I think that's the only way that this team can win games because this defense right now is playing 
Nothing short of spectacular, considering that they have some injuries. I mean, Holton and Hill. They were, they were dead. They were so gassed yeah. tonight. Oh, yeah. I was watching that thing, and I thought to myself, these poor SOBs, especially in, in the first half it felt like, have been out on the field almost the whole time. That's right. That's right. And so J. Ron Curse at one point had to play outside corner because Xavier Rhodes did yep. his weekly tradition of getting dinged up. And but I mean, you're talking about playing J. Ron Curse at outside corner. Holton Hill had a good game and actually made a huge tackle in the game that it would have been over really at that point if Russell Wilson scores. Holton Hill makes a great play. They attacked him on deep balls. He did a nice job on those. He was right on his man. I mean, you've got players even stepping up. Anthony Harris is having good games and things like that. And Ben Gideon's playing a lot and, and didn't have a, aside from one read option. Uh, isn't isn't blowing things up. And so they're stopping Russell Wilson. They're holding him to 70 yards passing on a game here tonight. And yet you can't win because your offense is continually stalling. And it feels like the only thing they can do is turn to running the ball all the time, no matter what, or just go completely crazy, open it up, run five wide receivers all the time, have Kirk hustling up to the line of scrimmage. That was a thing we did not see again tonight. They had no huddle success in New England and then went away from it and didn't bring it back tonight. And again, that's another thing that just drives you crazy where you had some success and you've gone away from it, and that's happened in so many different instances. Uh, But aside from that, it's either those two things. It's either go super conservative or go super aggressive, throw the ball down the field, throw it into double coverage. When Kirk Cousins said tonight that Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, when they're double covered, you can't throw them the ball, I really cringed, Judd, because I thought that is so well, classic Kirk Cousins. You have I to agree. sometimes throw them the ball still. That's a cop-out. That's a complete cop-out. That, comp- that is complete BS. And, and – uh, there, there was the ESPN cameras, or Mike's, I should say, picked up Thielen late in the game, caught a ball, and got up and, I guess, I guess screamed. That's been there all bleeping night. Oh, my gosh. And so, so Kirk Cousins, that was Kirk Cousins telling the media that isn't easy. It's late at night, and I want you to go away. That's a bunch of BS. And listen, Stefan Diggs caught a ball tonight that he had no right catching. But you know what he can do? Make that catch. He can, yeah. I mean, to... To punt on them figuratively, to punt on those two and say, well, they're covered. And, oh, by the way, I'll tell you something else. In the end zone on the broken up pass for Kyle on fourth down, guess who was more open than Kyle? Number 19, Adam Thielen. Yep, wide open. so, so, So for Kirk Cousins to say that is a bunch of crap and a cop out. Are, are those guys covered really well? Absolutely. I'm sure. They're, they both are, but they're both Pro Bowl receivers. And to eliminate them and say, well, they're doubled and I don't want to force that in, that's basically him pouting because he knows if he fumbles or throws a pick, which, of course, he did again tonight, uh, fumble, he knows if that happens that Zim's going to get mad, right? So, he's, so that's his way of saying, well, I'm just doing what Zim wants, so I'm not forcing balls in, in there. Well, guess what, dude? You are paid $84 million over three years to make passes to – number 14, and number 19. And to tell me that you absolutely can't is a bunch of garbage. And the broadcast highlighted on multiple occasions plays where those two were open, including the should-have-been touchdown to Thielen, but instead it was thrown to a very covered Kyle Rudolph. There was another one that really concerned me, Judd, about the way Cousins is playing and his level of confidence is when he he ran a play action. What's that? 
Oh, I said, can I guess? Oh, sure, yeah, go ahead. I, I already hinted at it, but go ahead. Was it the back? Was it the backward pass? <laughs> okay. So, no, so that was classic. With Thielen wide open, and yeah. but the best part about the picture I saw was number eight is turned backwards, yeah. passing the ball to Latavius Murray while down the field, his back is to number nineteen, wide open, Adam Thielen. But that's classic Cousins. I, I mean, this is something I, I'm. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be like. Hey, everybody on the Purple Podcast, remember all those episodes in March where I told you he does things that are baffling, like that he does things that will make you rip your hair out and you'll be so confused you won't know what to do with yourself? Remember I said that in March? That's because I watched his games from Washington and like throwing it backwards to Latavius Murray is one of the stupidest plays I think I've ever seen. The overhand throw to a guy who's three yards behind you. And this is where, Judd, this is where we keep going in the circle of blame because there are so many things with DiFilippo that I think we've all just been confused about. But at the same time, that's your quarterback. That is your quarterback for sure for the next three years who threw a pass at Latavius Murray right behind him. And by the grace of God, Latavius reached out and caught it. But, like, can you imagine what Murray must have thought when he went back to the the sideline like what just happened there how did i even catch it like that could have just gone right by him his his first thought was is this a national football league game or or a little league football game because i think the last time i got a pass backwards like that i was in third grade that's what he must have been thinking and that and that's warner it is i agree with kirk cousins when he said it's the combination of everything the play i was going to point out was a third and short. They ran play action. Stephon Diggs is wide open. Second or third and short. He's wide open. And Cousins hesitates on it. It would have been like a simple two-yard pass. You get it to Diggs. He runs for three more yards mm. first down. Yep. And they, yep, they froze it on the broadcast to show he was wide yep. open. He had nobody yep. on that side. And Cousins hesitated, hesitated. And then I think he dumped it off to Rudolph. Uh, short of the first down. And they end up having to punt or something like that. But So it's this yep. combination of... Cousins' shortcomings were always there, and they're being amplified by all the things around him. And and you get to a point, Judd, where I asked people this week on Twitter and wrote an article about it of the, the about the Super Bowl or bust thing. Like, are, are you done with this team? Are you so frustrated? And I think with a win tonight, if they had played well on offense, people would have been like, okay, it is possible, and I'm going to keep paying attention because it is possible. But after this. You have very little argument for anyone to care because you're probably going to have to go to Soldier Field in the playoffs and then lose, and that'll be it. And you know what, Judd? The Dolphins have a winning record, and I know. And you have to go to <laughs> you have to go to Detroit, who hates you and might want to spoil your season, even though they hate their coach too. And they're, then they're trying to lose. And then Chicago, and so like yeah. But, but it, can I give you what infuriates me? This infuriates me, and this is not a Vikings thing; it's a league thing. I hate the fact that I'm convinced the Vikings, with their mediocre to bad play of late, are going to be a playoff team. Yeah. Because a conference that because a conference that we both, I believe we both thought was going to be really strong. Yes. I thought there'd be about two or three yes. bad teams possibly that we thought was going to be great is an absolute embarrassment after the sixth seed, which by the way is the Vikings. Yes. I mean, who's going to come get them? Nobody. The Eagles. The, no. Panth- the Panthers are a dumpster fire. The Packers with Joe Philbin as coach, I'm sorry, that ain't happening. Washington, 
They're on like their 18th quarterback. <laughs> Nobody, you're right, and I agree. And people argue with, with me about this. I don't think anybody's coming to get the Vikings, and that makes me want to puke because the way the Vikings are playing, we should not be having a conversation like this, but we are. This is going to be a playoff team, which is why I think you make a change. I think you do something. In fact, you know what? Twofold. I fired DeFilippo tonight. I named Stefanski my OC, and then I make a call, and I fly in or get wherever he comes from, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do it. I get Cousins' brain coach in the building because I think he's such a mess right now that I think at least his brain coach knows him, and I don't know what that brain coach does or can do, but, it, but, but any, anything to soften, to provide a buffer between Zimmer and a guy like Cousins, I think right now would definitely help. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, to your point, Judd, uh, as much as we are saying, told you so on the offensive line, told you so on Cousins, and even to some extent on Filippo, who we questioned early on, wondering, is a guy with almost no experience going to be able to do this? Um, but I will take a big fat L on the NFC because you and I, yeah. you and I were doing an appearance at Lucky's 13 not too long ago where I sat there and said, Hey, Atlanta's offense is starting to roll <laughs> and you got to watch out for the Panthers. They're good this year. And since then it's like someone just took a dumps uh, or like a, uh, a dump truck and just drove it down the middle of like, just there's trash falling everywhere. And, and it's, but you know, and this is, and this is not right by the way. And I've always thought it's not right that the yeah. AF, the AFC has a bunch of good teams like Indianapolis. Who's going to miss the playoffs. They're pretty good, great quarterback, good offensive mind as a, as a head coach. They're going to miss the playoffs probably and have a yep. better record than the Vikings. Is it, and that's quite possible. And I don't think that anybody who has a better record should sit home while a trash team goes into the playoffs and loses in the first round. I've never, oh, ever been a fan of that. That's very frustrating. But I agree. it's almost hard still. And this, is, and this is the point about this game and why – if letting go DeFilippo would make sense if they do it, or Zimmer just completely taking the reins on offense and leaving the defense to George. Just take the offense over and design it yourself however you want it and forget about DeFilippo because they can still make the playoffs and you still never know, right? I mean, that we have seen enough right. teams. We've seen yes. enough teams turn it around that this tonight and the last couple of weeks has been so awful and it, may, it gives you no reason to believe, but you know what? You're, you have lucked your way into it, just like in 2016 they didn't luck their way into a playoff spot. Well, you basically have here if you win one of these games. Absolutely. Yeah, and Zimmer Zimmer is never going to give up, in, in my opinion, defensive responsibilities and because, because he sees himself in some weird world as head coach defense. So that's why I think a change has to be made, and, and then he, he has to – coordinate with Stefanski uh, to change the offense a bit. And, and I'm with you. I think, I think to my idea, you bring in Cousins' brain coach, you sit everybody down, and you say, Kirk, what can you do? What can you do well? What can we do here? And, and you reexamine, and I know that, that the line is still not great. It's not. But I think you reexamine roles. You reexamine Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook, this is I, I 28 this is yards mystery. receiving today. But unless the hamstring is still bad and we don't know it, I am as perplexed by the misuse of this kid. And, yep. and I think it, it's, that is honestly 
forget Cousins for a, a second and forget the whole thing about Thielen and Diggs are double teamed and so I can't throw there. If there's one player that I don't get on offense, like what the hell are you doing? It's Delvin Cook. Yeah. I have no clue. Yep. I mean, he's unless there's something there I don't know or he's just not that good and I'm dumb and didn't know it, the, the use of Delvin Cook is absolutely baffling because Delvin Cook – is is the National Football League offensive type of potential star in 2018, and he's being used like, you're okay, you're not that great, yep. and I am absolutely mystified by that. How Jarek McKinnon was leaps and bounds better than Delvin Cook this Correct. year, like McKinnon last year than Cook this year, is one of the most confounding things, and that is where, as we sort of swing back and forth, you would apologize for Kirk because... Case Keenum had Jarek McKinnon averaging eight yards a catch, dumping off to him, throwing two-yard passes or passes behind the line of scrimmage, and then he would get big gains. And I don't know if it's the design of the screens or it seems that Filippo, if one screen doesn't work, it just never happens again. Like, oh, screen doesn't work. See ya, not doing it. And I don't get that because <laughs> even early in the season, we sat there in Green Bay, you and I next to each other at Lambeau, and watched him line up as a receiver and run a slant route. And it was beautiful. Like, the guy is a wide receiver. He could do it as well as anybody. Yes. And, and yes. I've never seen it again. Like, why, why not? The uh, swing pass goes for a touchdown against Green Bay. Never seen it again. Why not? Where has it been? And, uh, I mean, maybe they tried it once against New England. It didn't work, and then they disappeared on it. And that's, you know, that, that sort of defines who they've been as an offense. Um, but, Judd, I, I, I think... Everyone is on the same page here with this situation that something has to break, whether it's Filippo or the way Zimmer is handling this or Cousins just going rogue and calling all of his own plays, going no huddle or, or whatever it might be. Something has to change yep. on offense for them to be a competitor. But yep. on the micro level, I want to discuss the field goal that was blocked because it was absolutely a penalty. Every former referee that's employed now by every network, they all agreed they sent out a group email or group text, and they all said, we agree, should have been a penalty on Bobby Wagner. Vikings got screwed and would have had a chance to win if not for that. But let me say this. I think it was a really, really bad coaching decision to go for that field goal, Judd. And that is a first guess I've got the tweet, okay? Because at that point, there's five minutes, five and a half minutes left in the game. And you're down by six points. A field goal does put you within three of tying, and it does, but that's the only thing that it does. And it gives them the ball back. Green Bay made this mistake of thinking they had more time than they did giving the ball back to Seattle. So even if they had made it, they're giving the ball back to a team that's run all over them for most of the day. I, I thought that that was a chance right there, even though it's fourth and nine, to try to score that touchdown and go ahead at that point and then force Wilson to go all the way back down the field when he wasn't throwing it at all tonight. So I was very much against that. And I also figured you're so deep in their territory, if you get a three and out, you're getting the ball back anyway with another chance to go score a touchdown. And also, last part on this, Judd, you can tell me if you completely disagree or how you feel about it. Kickers and the Vikings are the least reliable thing in the whole world. If you make fun of weathermen for getting it wrong, no, no, no. They get it right way more than Vikings kickers do. So the last thing that I would ever want to rely on is, oh, yes, this is what I'll do. I'll have my kicker take care of this issue. There's yeah, my rant. Uh, th three, three things off your rant. First of all, 
Officiating in the National Football League this oh, weekend again was putrid. Horrendous. It's embarrassing. It's a joke. I know some of these guys are full time now. I'd fire almost all of them. I don't know how they could be this bad. Um, how do you how do you call a penalty on on some grabbing the open side of the helmet rule? I've never heard of. And then you miss about four plays after that, three or four plays, a clear face mask that everyone in the stadium saw. So. The first thing is, was I surprised that the officials botched that call on Wagner? Absolutely not. Does it remain an embarrassment? Absolutely. There are, there are four or five more competent officials now who regularly sit and watch games, no longer employed by the league, and they tweet about it for networks that are actually working games. It's a joke. It's, a complete, it's just a travesty. Um, so fix it. Uh, I don't agree with you on going for it because of this. That offense can do nothing. If they could move the ball at, at all, I'd say, yeah, Collar, you're right. Yeah, let's go. Let's see what they can do. But this thing's become so paralyzed offensively that I've got no faith. Uh, so, so ideally, in the perfect world, if your offense was operating at all, if you said to me, okay, on fourth down, fourth and nine, you're going to go for it, and your options are, are going to include – Thielen and Diggs, I'd say, yeah, do that. But we know for a fact tonight that Kirk Cousins didn't look at them because he, he was afraid that they were covered, and I don't even know that he considered them, for the most part, throughout the course of the game, to be consistent, viable options, which is also a complete joke. See, I think that, uh, you, that you and I can use the same point uh, to make a different argument because when you say that, yes, the offense wasn't doing anything, so why do I think they're going to score twice? Like this is this is your shot. You're at their 29 yard line yeah, it, with five minutes left. It's so messed left. up right now. It's so messed up. And and as I said, it's very important that Thielen was caught on ESPN Field Mike saying that play's been there all bleeping game. That's very yeah, important because is. and he's yeah. right. He's yeah. exactly right. Uh, last thing, Vikings and kickers. I got one name for you, Daniel Carlson. Uh, my <laughs> understanding. It, in, che- in checking, with, in checking uh, with a source of mine about this, uh, I asked, so what's Prefer's deal with kickers? Like, how is he screwing them up? And basically he said, his, Mike Prefer's answer, if a kicker is struggling or not going well, is to tell him to speed up things as much as possible. Oh. Does that sound like a good idea in life? I like, have if no you're idea, struggling but with something, if I If you're struggling with some facet of your job or in life, and I say, you know what you should do? Just speed it up. I think you're going to be like, I don't think that's going to help me. So um, now I am willing to be very patient. Mike Prefer should not be fired until January. A change needs to be made there as well. I'm, I'm picking my battles here, though. But uh, those are my three responses, and I think it's absolutely – I think it's so telling that, that your fifth-round draft pick came in, lasted two games, was a complete disaster, has now gone to Oakland, kicking on, by the way, a terrible – turf there that yeah. grass there yeah. and and he's missed he's missed one field goal attempt and hit all his extra point attempts replaced by one of the most accurate kickers in history and i know he's not the same guy in bailey but he was still pretty good i thought he thought he'd be okay and he's become a complete mess and i think that that now speaks volumes about the coaching and it says probably more about the coaching coordinator than it does about the actual kickers themselves. So one quote from Adam Thielen, I just want to read you, and then we can just end on this and uh, take a deep breath and move on to Miami. If anyone is with us, if you're still with us at this point on the Purple Podcast, uh, I just appreciate you. You're just great. We should give you something. I just right. don't know what. I don't have anything. Um, big thank you. 
So Adam Thielen said, you hear the offensive coordinator is getting a lot of ridicule, but it's about the players. Players have to make plays. doesn't matter which play is called. You have to run the play. You have to be successful on it. It comes down to execution, which you know, I, I think is interesting because if anybody knows uh, what the problems would be, it's Thielen, but he's always going to kind of be defensive, and he's never going to be that guy who comes and says, we need a new offensive coordinator. But when he talks about the players executing the plays – I think we know who he's talking about, you know, and, and that's that, that this has been Kirk Cousins career largely is these massive ups and downs that he has and games that just give his team no chance to win. And, and that was him tonight. So I, I don't know what has to be done exactly, Judd, but the only option seems to be to make a change. And, and if they don't and if they lose to Miami, my gosh, I mean, you, you've got a chance at, at running the table the wrong way. <laughs> and uh, what's the opposite yep. of running the table? Is there an opposite, um, like uh, falling uh, into the table? On one, crapping on oneself? Yeah, I, okay, sure. Um, can I give you, and, and can I give you uh, worst case of, of this uh, to play off the quote that you just read me from Thielen? Yeah. The, we, we, and this is, this is just my guess, and players and coaches are going to try to downplay it, but we are probably getting very close to finding out what Cousins' equity is in that room. Uh, because you know what, when things start to go like this, especially to your point, that defense played well. It did. When yep. things start, when things start to go like this, defensive players start to look at offensive players and say, "What's going on there?" Right. Offensive receivers such as Thielen, who can catch the ball, start to look at the quarterback and say, "What's going on there?" Yep. And everybody yep. loves to look at a guy making eighty-four million dollars guaranteed and say. What the hell's wrong with you? Yep. So I, I would say this. I don't know if we I don't know if I would call it potential for mutiny, but there certainly is potential for uh backbiting to be taking place at this point. And and when and when it's you know, Keenum and he's a feel good story, okay, guys might be upset but they're not gonna say as much. But when you are the man and you are being paid like the man and Kirk Cousins is right now, it comes back on you pretty quickly. Well, and I could tell you though that last year in Carolina, those receivers got together after the game and they were talking about Case Keenum and whether they believed he could actually win and whether they should push for Teddy Bridgewater to come back and start. That, so that happened. Now, in this case, of course, they're not going to push for Kirk Cousins to be out or anything, but there might be some added pressure from them with the receivers knowing how good they are if the quarterback cannot get them the ball uh, the way he was earlier in the season, there could be a lot of pressure on him going into these next couple weeks. Let me just give you one stat to back up something we were talking about earlier, and then we will call it a night. Um, from our buddy Sam Ekstrom, he has this short yardage third downs. Vikings went just two for seven. They failed on third and three, third and two. Their only two successes, so they failed on a third and one, third and three, third and two. Their only two successes were QB sneaks, Judd. I mean, that is yep. on, that that is the offensive coordinator. If you can't dial up anything to get you a yard, oh, two yeah. yards, yeah, come yes. on. So, yep. nope. what? And what a, and yes, just what a brutal, brutal football game that everyone was forced to watch. You know, oh, it Yikes. was awful. It, it, it was. I sat. I sat on Sunday and essentially wall to wall watched. Red zone, and then the uh, Rams-Bears game, which was not a great game. I, I thought it was a fun game. It, it was not a great game. But anyway, watching games on Sunday 
was so much fun. And there were so many wild and wacky things. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was a great Sunday of football. And to be forced to watch this utter piece of crap tonight was awful. It was a terrible football game. There was nothing redeeming at all about this game. And, and I thought it featured both uh, from the playing side and the officiating side, of course. I thought it featured some of the most incompetent crap that you could possibly have to watch in a National Football League game. But other than that, still a great night for us, I guess. Um, well, well, to uh, but honestly, to to the to the people. Uh, no, I'm just I'm just kidding, Judd. Uh, I was quoting Steve Harvey. Remember when Steve Harvey botched that um, beauty pageant? Or oh whatever? yeah, yeah. He said, "Yes, the pageant. Yeah, still okay, a great I got night. I got um, it's late. It's yeah, late here. Colin. Sorry. I mean, that's a that's a pretty obscure reference, anyway." Uh, so anyway, if you're listening still, then honestly, we really do appreciate you because I know that the feeling for Vikings fans right now is extreme despair and I've got nothing to help you unless something changes very soon. So we will be back. Sage Rosenfels will break down what is happening and he might lose his mind after what he saw, uh, already being frustrated with Filippo. um, he might be very upset on Wednesday, so we'll talk with him, the Purple Live show, all those things coming up, and another uh, appearance, this time in Burnsville, for us with the Purple Podcast uh, at Lucky's 13. So we'll catch you all then. Thank you, Judd, and we'll talk to you later on the Purple Podcast. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the College Football Playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.